everybody. Welcome to a great episode of the Prog Report podcast. We're going to do another top five episode, and we have a very special guest, as you can see, Mr. Ross Jennings. Hello there. Hello, Ross. Thanks for having me. This is really cool. Uh, it used to be just Haken. Now it's Haken. It's Novena. It's a solo <laughs> record. It's uh, the Virgilio Morrison and uh, Jennings, or yeah. whatever the order of that is. <laughs> I forget. <laughs> <laughs> but you're a busy guy, um, so uh, I'm glad you got five minutes to uh, to join us on this, man. Happy to have you on here. Yeah, it's a real pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, I've been spreading my wings a little bit and branching out. Yeah, mm-hmm. very cool. And of course, not, not uh, keeping still, you know. <laughs> well, we like to say, of course, Jeff Bailey. That's how we introduce him. Of course. course. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, Jeff is very busy these days, so, you know, it's hard to get him back on the podcast these days lately. (laughs) I wouldn't have missed this one. (laughs) But uh, no, this is going to be fun. So we're going to do a top five uh, debut solo albums list uh, between the three of us. And uh, that's uh, because uh, we're going to talk about Ross's exciting uh, new solo record, Shadow of My Future Self, which you can see right there behind me. It comes out November 19th. Uh, there's been a bunch of singles released already, and it's a very eclectic record, all sorts of styles. It's not metal. It's not prog metal, but it is very cool. And, uh, you know, we want to talk to you about all that before we get into the to the top five. So, um I mean, I guess we should start with all of that. Like, what has the last year and a half been like for you? And when during that period did you decide to start working on this record? And, and what got you going with it? Yeah, as you as you can imagine, when uh, the, I mean, the last shows I did with Haken were um, we were midway through the US run of the Devon Townsend tour. Um, so Haken was first support. And that got cut short um, when we arrived at Nashville. And yeah, we were plummeted into uh, that situation and had to get home and cost us a lot of money and it was all very yeah. depressing. <laughs> mm. But um, yeah, so as you can imagine, like all those emotions that flared up at that time, um, and it happened for everybody really, and a lot of artists were feeling this and re- responding to it. Um, so it was pretty much an immediate thing, actually. Um, you know, within weeks of being home, um, I just dove straight into these these demos, and I had a few kind of tracks that I'd always been you know, playing around with myself before, which never had a place. And so that's when I decided to to form this thing. Cool. And I suppose we're we're talking about solo albums, and it's been interesting looking through some choices of albums to to find those things that are sort of a very natural extension of what people do in in their bands, and some that are, you know, the opportunity to do something very very left field. I mean, y- your album it has a very different style from what people who would be used to listening to Haken would be familiar with. Did you envisage your solo album would be would be something like that? Yeah, I actually um, started out. I wanted to do some sort of country album, uh, <laughs> and I had I had a good three, four, five songs maybe that were very blatantly sort of American country mainstream radio, you know. Wow! <laughs> and it, it just wasn't. Um, it didn't. Although I had fun with that, it didn't. It wasn't. Didn't seem that authentic actually, um, and I felt like it needed to be something a little bit more uh we're a little bit have a little bit more meat on the bones so um yeah i just I, I evolved 
um, those demos and wrote some more stuff. And I had this flurry of inspiration that just kept coming at that time. It was, it was very bizarre. How many uh, of the those initial country songs were about trucks and beer? That's, <laughs> that's uh, what mostly, country music is here. Mostly about relationships, actually. But that that kind of that theme kind of stuck actually with with this record in the end so there's a lot of stuff about navigating through dark times in a relationship and uh losing loved ones and things like this so yeah it's um it stayed very true to that um yeah country radio uh, country rock theme of telling stories and the things that things that are relatable you know yeah totally and, and the other thing i suppose that seeing you with Haken, you're down the front you you have a only a mic stand as company mm -hmm. Um, on this album, you play a lot of guitar. So, what was it like taking taking all of that on? Yeah, that was um, a really important thing for me on this record to do that because, you know, that that was my first instrument really before I was a singer. Um, and at some point, I, you know, put the guitar down and focused on being a vocalist. Um, so it was a really good opportunity for me to dust off the cobwebs of the of playing guitar and. Um, brush up those skills a little bit again and yeah there's a lot of relearning actually um, I, I, I was a bit uh, rusty at first but yeah. <laughs> I'm really proud of um, what I put down in the end um, I've been I mean, sorry, surrounding myself with these really great players for the last 10 years so um, there naturally was a lot of pressure to kind of up my game for my target audience but um, <laughs> yeah I felt it worked for the style of music I was doing in the end yeah yeah and I mean there's there's great acoustic playing there's some funky stuff there's a lot of heavy riffs i mean it's not like you kind of picked it up and stuck to one thing you've you've really bridged the styles and in, in the guitar playing as well yeah cool uh, that's that's good to hear thank you um yeah it's uh it's always been i've always had an affinity with the guitar it's just obviously keeping up a regular practice schedule was lacking in the last 10 years or so, so. Mm, yeah, right. sure. yeah that's that's all it was really and um yeah it was really fun to to record properly uh, professionally guitar again uh, that's cool uh i mean the thing with the album that's interesting and and i hope people really get a chance to check it out and listen to it in full because one it's a really long record there's a bunch of songs in there like 14 tracks but uh, a lot of variety um and also what i what i like that you've done you've released a lot of singles up front with really really cool videos the one for feelings recently was just mm -hmm. amazing and and for violet was really cool talk about that whole process and the vision you had for which songs would be singles and, and having so many and then the the vision for each video that you had also and how, how those have come together. Yeah, so as you can imagine, um, if we're talking months, months ago, it wasn't really possible to get into studios and film stuff um you know easily because we we're all in, in lockdown. So the initial plan was to do a lot of animated work and yeah, and there started the idea of doing the the whole computer game theme for feelings. That was actually intended to be the first single, but the the project was turned out to be a mammoth one, which <laughs> went on for months and months. And the, it shows in the results. You know, it's really well done uh, by yeah. Crystal Spotlight. Um, and you know, as time went on, I, we things started to open up, and I was able to do some green screen stuff, you know, kind of one to one with a filmmaker. So we had a really cool uh, shoot for the Violet video. Um, and a lot of that came together in post-production, but yeah, we, we did a whole day of filming on a green screen there. Um, yeah, selecting the singles. I mean, as, as you mentioned, it's a long album. So I, 
and there was quite a long uh, lead up because we're still we're still yeah. a month away from the yeah. release. I'm not sure when this is airing, but at the time of filming this review, yeah, uh, we're still we're still a month away um, from the release. So um, had to kind of come up with a, a structure of rolling out singles and keeping people engaged and interested. So um, I, I didn't have a problem with sort of releasing the bulk of the material. Um, up front I mean that's important because I'm a new artist essentially um, to a lot of people as as a solo artist so um, the more time people have with that stuff I felt that was important yeah I would I would definitely tell people to go check out the videos and, and one of them was done by our by uh, Daniel Levy one of our regular yeah. prog reporters who did the video for Grounded which is a cool lyric video type thing and and uh, but Violet is really cool and feelings I mean it's an actual video game they made for you where you're running yeah. around Oh yeah, no. um, I mean, well, I'm going to talk to them about actually having this available to uh, play and be interactive. <laughs> but but essentially, yeah, the, the way that he they, they filmed it was playing the game with, with me. The the avatar was me. So that's that's so cool. Uh, yeah, really neat. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's great. And uh, no, I I I love the. Al I mean, the thing that really strikes me about the album is there's a huge diversity of styles. You know, every song I think is so solid in the melody department. And I think that sometimes when we talk about prog as a whole, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes we, you know, people are very into the, the length of a song or the, the technicality of it. And sometimes melody gets lost. I think, I think that's a really important thread. I mean, notable in the singles as well. Um, but, you know, really throughout the album, I think that's something that's that's really stand out about it, that um, no matter what style it's in, you know, it's it's about the song. And you did a you did a live stream show recently where you where you played then a number of those in more of a stripped back format. How, how did that come about? Yeah, I mean, so the, the birth of these songs really started that way. Um, it's just me in this room strumming away and yeah. uh, and coming up with this stuff so it's um it was quite natural really to perform that stuff stripped back and again that was largely due to the restrictions of not being able to be near yeah. anyone <laughs> that yeah. just did a solo show you know um so yeah that that was uh that was really cool i had intended to put that out after the release of this record so that people were more familiar with the material but um yeah as things kind of transpired in the end that uh this the release date was obviously pushed much further back to this year so um yeah i just decided to take the plunge and just put that out um yeah and you have and when you have some solo shows coming up um in the uk and one in israel Correct, yeah. uh which is pretty cool so talk about those yeah so um again when these were being planned we, we, no one was sure if you know there's going to be tours with full bands playing at all you know so um we booked the shows um as you know acoustic solos performances and having the live stream already out there um it would it was a kind of a launch pad for that um but yeah obviously now bands are going out there um in full full capacity now <laughs> so uh it's a kind of regret because i wanted to do this with a full band but i think there's time for that and i'm sticking with the solo format for these shows and uh, i think it's going to be quite unique and fun as well and intimate yeah. um but cool. yeah the, we're gonna a couple of guys that are in the band that perform on the record are in the states um so i'd like to do it with them 
uh, essentially, if possible. And that's that's going to be a while yeah. before we can put that together. So. Cool. Well, of course, as well as the solo album, there's a new Novena EP and then recently announced an album with Neil Morris and Nick DiVirgilio. And yeah. um, what, what, what can you tell us about those projects at this point? Um, so the, it's just <laughs> the uh, lack of ability of sitting still really, <laughs> and just wanting to <laughs> produce music constantly. Um, but uh, obviously with the Novena, there's other members who are, are driving that, uh, that project forward as well. So, um, that was always that was on the cards for quite a while, and it's uh, an extension of the Eleventh Hour album that we put out um, last March, and yep. well, Mar March twenty twenty, I should say. Um, so yeah, that that's if you're familiar with that record, that's a really good one to get your teeth into because there's a lots of kind of references to that album, and um, yep. there's a beautiful ballad on there, and and a really a really cool progressive metal song which is kind of akin to the novena stuff and the haken stuff so yeah if you're hearing this solo album of mine and you're missing a bit of the uh the, the you know the time signatures <laughs> uh then yeah head to novena because it's, it's really good stuff is that ep just on streaming is that yeah it's uh okay. digital only yeah that's, yeah that's right. it's killer man it's only three songs but it's fantastic it's really cool stuff it's really good and there's a Billie Eilish cover on there as well. Which is great. I don't like yeah, Billie yeah. Eilish, but that cover I'll listen to. <laughs> and yeah, then there's felt... the, the trio album then coming up. So yeah, that's um, another one that came out of the blue for me was um, receiving an email from Neil Morse asking if I'd like to be part of this, this trio project. And um, it must have been a leap of faith on his part because um, the only real point of reference for him is this prog metal band Haken, really. And the style of music that he wanted to do for this was um, a little bit more stripped back, a little more sort of inspired by Cosby Stills and Nash and some of the old country scene. So, I mean, that immediately um, floats my boat. So I was on board without hesitation, you know. And uh, with Nick involved, it's like a, a somewhat of a Spock's Beard reunion. So <laughs> to be in the middle of that is just so bizarre for me because I'm such a fan, you know. It was it took a lot for me not to come across as a bit of a fanboy at first. But <laughs> so honoured to be asked, honestly. And I think we create something really special. So I'm curious, actually, do you get a phone call or email like before saying, listen, Neil Morris might call you because he's interested or literally out of the blue one day an email from neil just pops up on your phone no it was uh three days after christmas day um at the end of 2020 i got an email f uh just an email popped up neil morse hey yeah, i got, crazy, your, right? like, got hey, your email address like from the record label and, that and all of a sudden <laughs> you know i was uh yeah the, the greatest christmas present of all <laughs> really <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty cool man that's yeah. exciting well we can't wait for that it's gonna be awesome uh yep. very cool uh so again just to to recap shadow of my future self uh solo album is available for pre-order uh what's the website again you got rjsolo.com that's probably the easiest one to remember yeah um and there's plenty of links to omerch and various uh yeah download and pre-order websites yeah definitely I check it out know. some videos all over on youtube and and spotify and all that and, um, you know, if you're in the UK, catch a couple of shows. Uh, you can find out all that info on the website as well, I'm sure. 
Uh, so what we're going to do is uh, do our top five debut solo albums list. Um, we didn't specify that this was going to be only prog albums or uh, really anything. I think we're all sticking within the rock genre, and then we'll sort of see from there what sort of happens. But let's just see. Um, considering Ross's album is a bit more pop rock, alternative, whatever else is in there, um, you know, we felt we could open this up a little bit. Um, so Ross, uh, you know, the drill, you've seen this before. Why don't you yeah. start us off with your, uh, your first of your five, your number five pick. Is there a specific order to this? Or can it be, uh, start from five to the best or <laughs> correct? Well, that's yeah. Five, five to, that's to the one, but you'll, so just do your five and then, uh, Jeff, you'll go and I'll go and then we'll go back around and, and go that way. It's really hard to put these in any specific order, but I, I did want to start with um, one that's probably inspired me to make a solo record myself and uh that would be quite an obvious one actually um yep. this is face value by phil collins yep. yep amazing and it's quite a special album to me and obviously there's some classic songs on there um in the air tonight being the opening track and it's the one that's very well known it projected him to uh, a lot of fame in the solo world anyway yeah um we all, we're all fans of genesis <laughs> um but i yeah. felt like this as i'm doing the solo stuff moved away from the classic prog genre and um did it in a very effective way and very successful way as well so yeah. um yeah absolutely um uh, one that's been in my collection for a very long time from a very young age and I'm, obviously i was born in 84 uh, this one predates me even, <laughs> but, um, so yeah, it's been it's been around longer than I have. Um, it's a couple of special um, tracks on this for me. Uh, if leaving me is easy, um, I think that was song. that was a single. So I think uh, obviously again, I wasn't born, but that's probably one of my favourite tracks on this record. Um, so such a powerful ba uh, ballad and. The dyna the use of dynamics on that track is just uh, breathtaking. Absolutely love yeah, it. Yeah. Um, there's obviously the Beatles cover at the end, um, which is a really cool rendition of Tomorrow Never Knows yep. from the Revolver album. Um, I've actually put a cover at the end of my record as well, which is not, not a Beatles cover, it's a Dua Lipa cover. <laughs> Again, yep. another a, a pop cover. So yeah, there's, there's, there's links yeah, <laughs> to yeah. the, the album I've put out. Um, and there was an inclusion of a Genesis song uh, behind the lines. And I'm a bit vague on whether which one came first, actually. I, I didn't look into this. <laughs> but I, I'm not sure if this was a, a Phil Collins original that became a Genesis song or... A, uh, I don't Genesis really remember, Jeff. Do you remember? It did. Yeah, yeah. I actually, I actually was watching something about the making of the album. I think it was one of those documentaries, and yeah. and they the Genesis version did come first. But I understand right. the inspiration for for that version was that Phil heard the Genesis version put on mm. at the wrong speed. Right. That's <laughs> and he right. went, yeah, "Oh, okay. actually, okay. it speeded up. Sounds quite good." And uh, yeah, that developed from there. Yeah, I I, I listened. Go oh. ahead. Sorry. No, no. I was going to say, I, I listened to that album, actually. I think it was maybe texting Roy whenever I was doing it. I listened to that through through the big speakers a, a couple of weeks ago and was just completely blown away because, like you, it's an album that's been on my collection for a long, long yeah. time. But 
hearing, and I suppose if you think of what happened to Phil Collins' solo career in terms of mass appeal, and you listen to that album, and there's so much like stuff that is not, you know, it's not commercial at all. Right. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, th- like, um, you know, hand in hand and that Shankar, the, the violin mm-hmm. stuff that's going on. And even the Beatles cover, you know, it's not Love Me Do. It's, you so, know, Tomorrow Never Knows. Yeah, it's a very um, one. Yeah. Um, and, and I suppose you, you look through and go, there's not, you know, pretty much everything that was a sort of, normal standard song with the singles but there's so much so much else in there and um and even in the air tonight you know is just uh, again i was listening to a thing with an interview hugh padgham did and they talked about like basically just about everything from that is from the demo because they couldn't mm. they couldn't recreate it so right. they just ripped it all off the demo and um uh, and put it on there and then of course the the story with 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 the drum sound you know mm. so yeah, yeah I would agree drum with fill, you. It's one of one of the most famous drum fills of all time. I mean, yeah. it's amazing. Even even to a young generation today, um, you know, teenagers today, they know that song and they know mm. that drum fill. And it's I think that's just so cool. And, you know, but you go back to that period when that comes out, you can't imagine that that song is going to be what it becomes 40 years later. You know, it's uh, it's an amazing, amazing track, this, amazing this album. this was the thing and obviously um taking what jeff said there was it is quite a left field album in some respects and obviously to us now and the, the zeitgeist we uh we assume that this was this to us this is all commercial stuff now but back yeah. then uh, at the time i'm guessing it's it would have been quite a left field record yeah to put out, you yeah know? yeah totally yeah. uh well cool nice pick to kick us off um nice. i'm glad somebody has that album on here Totally makes sense. Uh, all right, yeah. Jeff. Okay. Um, so I tend to be thought of as the yes guy and therefore would get reprimanded if I didn't pick something yes related. Um, so mm-hmm. my my choice is, um, again, maybe not what people might expect, but I'm going to go with Rick Wakeman and the Six, six Wives of Henry VIII. Um, that was his first solo album and it came out shortly after i think right about the time that he joined yes he signed a solo deal uh, and recorded this sort of in the breaks between between yes stuff um and uh, and again rick talks about um i suppose his inspiration for instrumental music being kind of getting a story into his head and just expressing that um in a musical way which is something that's very intangible but i think I think as a kind of a concept album, it, it works pretty well because it's six very different pieces of music. And, you know, there's no story. It's not a concept album to the extent there's a story that runs through it. There's no vocals. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, it moves from everything from a very traditional playing, you know, a church organ right the way through to um, lots of, you know, the synths, um, stuff like that. But what when I was doing a bit of research i found that the first pressing um they did they decided to do twelve thousand copies 
and within five years it had sold six million <laughs> which i think is just amazing and we sort of you know that's crazy you go to any secondhand record store and you'll find a copy of that album you sort of think of it as a you know thing of a bygone age but i mean commercially that was a, a massive album the other the other fun fact i have about it is that um if you know fragile by yes they have their solo tracks and rick's solo track is a is a a, a version of uh, Brahms' piece, mm. but that's because of the solo deal. He wasn't allowed to put one of his own songs um, onto it. So actually, the song that is Catherine of Aragon um, on Six Wives is actually what he he was going to put onto Fragile, and it has Steve wow. and Chris Squire playing on it. Um, so yeah, I think Prog Report. What's more prog than the Six Wives of Henry VIII? That has to be, has to be in there. Yeah, very appropriate. And actually, we just did a cool, uh, like a Q&A interview with Rick about his U.S. tour and and stuff that just posted on the website. So worth checking out. Um, and he's been very kind of high profile lately, the last few years. You know, back on yeah. tour, he did the ARW thing, and, and now he's doing his solo thing. Um, he's hilarious, too. So, okay. So I'll go ahead. Um, I know I was having a hard time because I had a whole list of different ones, and they were initially some of the more kind of notable solo albums um you know like sting's debut and and peter gabriel's debut album and things like that and phil collins face value but i i was leaving off a bunch of stuff that i really really like and uh so i i i'm pulling out a few kind of more obscure choices of mine and I don't know, maybe prog adjacent, as we like to say, but mm. maybe not so much. We'll see. Um, but my first pick is going to be uh, from a former Genesis singer, but not Peter Gabriel and not Phil Collins. So Ray Wilson and his first solo album called Change uh, from 2003, which is a few years after he was done with Calling All Stations and his band Stillskin and kind of finished that. And... Um, I don't remember when I got that album. I don't know if it was right when it came out, but I, I was one of the people that loved calling all stations. I loved his voice and being a huge Phil Collins fan. I was sort of, you know, initially struggling with that, but I was like, you know what? This is actually really good. I really like this guy, an amazing singer. And then of course that ended and he went away. And out of nowhere, a few years later, I stumbled upon this solo record. I was like, Oh cool. Let me see what this guy's up to. And it's just an album that blows me away and I love it. And I've become a massive fan of his ever since. I think he's one of the best singers in the world. And he still puts out really, really cool music. He just put out an amazing album this year uh, called The Weight of Man, which I highly recommend. Again, he's never gone completely as prog as what Calling All Stations was. But there's always sort of a tiny hint of it here and there musically. Um, but he's just a great songwriter. He's got just a, a really cool kind of deep voice. But on Change... It's a, it's a heavily acoustic record, but just 
gorgeous kind of orchestration with it and harmonies and and just the songs are killer so i felt like i wanted to give that album a shout because it's really one of my favorites and i mean the opening track goodbye baby blue is just insane and and the song change is amazing and uh yeah stuff i still actually listen to um so if you don't know that album i recommend ray wilson music like crazy um and uh that's a good place to start Obviously, I'm familiar with Ray Wilson um, from Calling All Stations and Stiltskin. I really liked, I really loved that band actually back in the yeah, day. Yeah, they were cool. Um, but I've, I, I knew this podcast was going to cost me money <laughs> in checking out new records, so I knew it. Um, but yeah, he's great. If you, so you're, you're not familiar him. like with his last few solo albums, like like the I'm, stuff he's no, done. No, I'm not. I'm oh man, good. you should you'll love it. It's great, there's, it, there's especially good... knowing what you've done on your solo album. Yeah. Like you'll totally yeah. dig it. Oh, apologies to Ray if he's listening. Yeah, yeah. I, I will good, definitely check it out. There's a, really, there's a really good compilation as well. I can't remember what it's called, but um, yeah, just yeah, came out I mean, a, a few years ago. Well, with 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 Genesis having cancelled their Irish shows as of last week, um, mm. I, 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 it it may well be that um, the only Genesis live show that I was able to see was on that tour, um, and uh, it was a it was a brilliant show. I mean, mm. you know, setting aside phil not being there but if as a band they were just absolutely phenomenal and they played probably a more career spanning set than than they probably could in any other guys um really really good show so if well I, he still I, plays oddly enough and i don't know how this sits with genesis fans but i feel like he thinks it, it's something that he could do he is a former member of the band for whatever it's worth you know mm-hmm. um but when he performs he he does a selection of different genesis songs he still plays mama and and some different things he plays salisbury hill he plays mm. um you know he does another he does like uh was it another day in paradise i think is one he mm. does from from phil solo record so he mixes in a bunch of different things um which is cool you know i think yep. that's really neat um all right ross back to you yeah i'm gonna go to um this is absolutely one of my favorite singers uh and it's i'm just gonna throw it up here this is um, Guy Garvey. This is his debut um, and only solo record, I believe. Uh, he's the lead singer of Elbow. This is a band I have much love for. And the material that's actually on this record is, is it could have well been a, an Elbow record, to be honest. Um, so it's it's kind of weird because you, you kind of want that to be part of their repertoire. But it is it's Guy Garvey's album. So if you're a fan of Elbow, definitely check this out he's he's one of the most captivating voices and to me and and one of the best lyricists um actually very obscure (laughs) lyrics he comes up with and not always easy to follow and understand when you have to go to a show and typically he'll explain what the song's about (laughs) before he starts the song um but yeah this is an absolutely phenomenal record one of the funniest moments on it i think it's in belly of the whale there's a track on here and where they his uh brass 
bands start um they they, they kind of fall into this careless whisper rendition <laughs> which, which goes really badly and it's this very obscure uh moment in the song but um yeah, so it's a, a brilliant record. I'm not sure how successful it was, really. Um, I think it went under a lot of uh, went under a lot of people's radars, to be honest. Um, uh, but yeah, if you haven't sort of checked it out and you're a fan of Elbow, do so because it's absolutely brilliant. I'm not familiar not sure with I'm, him. I mean, I've heard no. of Elbow, obviously, and yeah. I know a couple of songs, but that's that's a band I need to get more into. Yeah. Are um, they big in the States, really? I've, I've seen them on tour here and stuff. I don't know how big they are. Um, I, they're, I, they're a huge band in the UK now. Um, yeah. Do uh, large headline shows at the, at the O2 Arena here. And, wow, uh, cool. We're talking London. Um, they, play, they, pro, um, they play on their British heritage a lot, so that might be something that sort of... Uh, stop, stops them or prevents them from coming huge stars in the US but um, I don't know yeah they're, they, they're a northern band from Manchester UK and, well I, uh, I, I, I mean chances are I like them <laughs> but yeah one of the most so- one of the most soothing voices um, uh, and unique voices in, in the business at the moment Very so cool. yeah Guy Garvey courting the squall courting the squall I should say yeah I must admit I mean I I certainly listened to elbow i didn't actually know he had a, mm. a solo album um but uh, i guess i didn't peter gabriel covered didn't whenever peter gabriel did that covers album didn't he That's do right. what, yeah, which, what did um, he do which was one it? was it now um i know that he peter gabriel did mirable mirable and then i think elbow did a track of his but i, I forget was it Mer- was i think it. he did mercy street was it oh it could have been there's a fantastic whatever whatever version of peter gabriel he he did is a is a fantastic i'm pretty sure i'm trying to look through my itunes here to see if i can find it but i can't but i'm pretty sure it's mercy street uh yeah no brilliant band cool but i didn't know that so that's cost me that's an yeah nice one (laughs) okay so we're evening up we're evening up (laughs) Uh, all right jeff your next one um i yeah i I didn't really do these in a a top five order so they're they definitely aren't they definitely they definitely aren't necessarily my top five but um okay my next one um, i'm gonna go with again i'm gonna keep it quite traditional prog for the meantime kerry livgren uh, and his album from kansas and his album seeds of change mm. um so again i don't i don't know if that's one people are familiar with i'm, I'm guessing possibly not but um i love kansas uh this one came out between um monolith and audio visions which was the last one with steve walsh and this is right about the time when kerry livgren kind of became a christian and so a lot of his lyrics kind of went in in that direction and it probably meant that kind of steve walsh and him kind of parted ways um but i mean all of that said it's it's a really brilliant album and um musically you know Kerry plays the guitar, Kerry plays keyboards, and the the playing on it is brilliant. Uh, the songwriting 
is as you would expect and it's probably one of those albums i like more because it's not so well known there's a track hidden away in there um called how can you live which actually is one that steve walsh sings and you know i, I think it's a better track than most of what kansas produced in in the, in the albums around about that time and the other thing i love about it too two of probably the most the strongest most familiar tracks or if people have heard it um so you know despite going down this christian route he decided to get the then lead singer of black sabbath uh ronnie ronnie dio to sing two of the songs and uh <laughs> they're absolutely there's one called um i'm trying to remember now what they're called um to live for the king which is just absolutely fantastic um and the yeah the dio songs on it are, are brilliant and again just this total sort of mishmash and clash of of styles um and i think one of those things we talk about solo albums you know he, he clearly wanted to try and do something a little bit different um from what he would normally do so there's some of it that's that's very kansas-like and other bits that are that are a bit different um so yeah uh re really really strong album one that one that i like and, and I, I have to get i have to get that from you because i don't know that record at all that's pretty cool. that sounds so like i love kansas and yeah it sounds like it would be I'd, one i would want to so listen I'm, to so i'm kicking myself that i haven't checked this out <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah they actually i think actually in the even on their, like their last tour they did a couple of of the songs live with wow. with kansas band um which again is a bit unusual for solo artists but yeah, yeah no it's a good it's a good album check it out nice very cool Oh, okay. I, I think this one's got, my next pick's also going to be come one completely weird for you guys. Uh, so I don't know if Winger was a big band in uh, <laughs> UK at all, um, but you're talking early nineties. That was a big kind of hair metal band, you know, that kind of thing, but uh, phenomenal musicians, you know, Kip Winger, obviously singer, bass player, but Rob Morgenstein on drums and Red Beach on guitar. And it was really good playing and bordered on their last that their their album at the time that came out before they sort of took a long hiatus was the album called pull which was bordering on progressive i mean there's a bunch of six seven minute songs with parts and and they started to really show off their skills there because these are real actual good musicians you know yeah. um but anyway that was all the time around nirvana and grunge and everything and anything that sounded like that just died a quick death the minute it was released so kip winger you know, went and left and the band disbanded for a while and he pursued a solo career. And in 97, put out an album called This Conversation Feels Like a Dream. And being a fan at the time, I was like, oh, I'll check this out. I'll see what it's like. And it is one of the coolest albums ever. And one of my favorite things he's ever released. And he's had a few solo records that came out after that, but this was, the, you know, debut. So we'll talk about this one. Um, it still has sort of the winger guys on playing you know playing with him the drums are still rod morgenstein and and red beach still makes an appearance but 
it is absolutely more in the vein of like Peter Gabriel in every way. And um, it's just so cool and eclectic and a lot of acoustic stuff and no, no, nothing remotely what Winger sounded like at all. And I fell in love with this record. And it was like one of those things like nine in 97, if you walked around holding a solo album by Kip Winger and showing it to people, it, it may, you may as well have been holding plutonium (laughs) and you know, to them, it's like, what is wrong with you? Why are you listening to this? But that is where my head was in 97. It was nowhere near grunge. I was listening to Kip Winger solo records. So anyway, I still think it's an amazing album. Now they've come back winger in, in recent years and have started to sort of regain a little bit of popularity within that audience and that kind of stuff. And their albums are cool and they do a lot of weird here and there. They'll throw in a prog song with weird time signature stuff. And it's cool. I mean, it's really, I've, I have found that a lot of the prog audience sort of is familiar with winger and likes them too, because they're good. They are not Motley Crue. They can actually, do some really cool things musically. No offense to Motley Crue, who are a great band. But um, if if you like that kind of stuff, and if you wanted Peter Gabriel to be a bit more edgy rock-wise, rock you might like this album. That's the closest kind of thing I can mm-hmm. describe, but it's very, very cool. So I'm another shout-out there that I'm going to throw in to Kip Winger's uh, This Conversation Feels Like a Dream. Now, you did not expect me to come up with that, I bet. <laughs> Sound I'm hearing must be a sign. Now my monster is on to you. Now my monster is on to you. And you knew it would come to you. Now the monster lives on in you. Believe in me. On the basis that I didn't even know it existed, yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but we need nope, after this. Good. We're each, after sounds this, good. we'll put all these albums in a Dropbox for the three of us, and we can all like yeah. listen to everything. How about sounds that? Good. Well, obviously, I'm a, I'm aware of um, Winger and Kip Winger. Yeah. I think there's there's a Jordan Rudess connection as well. I think he you played, know he, he sang he, on. He Road might Home. have played on, I don't know if it was on this solo record, but he played on one of his solo records. And then yeah, and then I think Kip, Kip sang on one of Jordan's as well, I yeah, think. Yeah, right. Um, that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah, not overly familiar with the material, but I, I know I know of them, um, and I know they're, they're a great band. But there's pro- I think from my perspective, I think they're probably one of the bands that should have been much bigger than than they were i mean i'm not especially i mean uh, before (laughs) nirvana came out they were all over mtv they were a big big time band but you know it was with the whole hair and the whole you know girls in the videos and the the whole kind of stuff you know those were because of my age i think uh oh by the time you were 10 that music was already dead it's gone yeah (laughs) i think (laughs) when nirvana were around that was when i started paying attention that's right and by then (laughs) By then, you couldn't mention Winger. Uh, yeah. It was like, uh, you know, the worst thing on <laughs> earth. But, you know, music music comes back around. It always does. It, it's great uh, that, you, you know, 30 years later, the stuff can be new to someone. And that's what it's all about, really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Discovering yeah, exactly. things all the time. And... Uh, okay, Ross, your next one. Oh, sugar. <laughs> uh, I wasn't ready. But um, 
tell you what, I'm going to pick um, the fish vigil in a wilderness of mirrors. Now, I'm very guilty in the fact that really this is a relatively new discovery for me. I've been a Marillion fan for as long as I can remember, but for some reason didn't ever explore the, the solar material fish until <laughs> quite recently. And um, this was an obvious debut that has um, sonically a lot of more ties to the uh, to the Marillion work that, that Fish was involved with than than subsequent Fish releases. I feel, I felt anyway. Um, I don't know what something in the production maybe um, that kind of t ties those projects together. Uh, but I really love this record, and I think it's some really strong uh, music on this album. Um, ironically, uh, the some of the strongest songs are actually on the on these bonus tracks on on the one the version i've got um whiplash um was it the gentleman's excuse really really proggy stuff <laughs> listen to it if you haven't heard it because it's it's phenomenal playing on there um big wedge i think was the big single on that record again i was i around when this came out uh, no well this is the yeah it was around 89 was it 89 was it yeah but I wouldn't have remembered uh, when when the release were, happened anyway <laughs> I would have been 5 years old or something but um <laughs> yeah upon um kind of digging back through his catalog recently uh this this album just deserves the accolades that that it has and yeah and will continue I believe he's touring this music um well had planned to tour this music uh, before the pandemic hit uh is he still planning on touring? I know he said he wasn't going to make any more albums, but did he say if he was going to keep touring? I believe so, yeah. I think the plan was to do a tour with this record. It was the last tour, yeah. I yeah, think he's done the sort of... He did a misplaced childhood tour, and then he sort of did a Clutching at Straws tour, and then I think this was this was going to be the last one. And then, you know, he sort of this plus the Welchmerts stuff, and then I think that was going to be it. But yeah, it all got kind of put on ice i think he's still planning to do it um but that that was on my that was on my my I'll short list one of yours have i <laughs> yeah sure no it's good been... no no i I'm, I, I'm i mean i'm glad it i'm glad it featured um He's just not an artist I've gotten into because I wasn't listening to it when it was coming out. And then it's one of those things where like you look back and it's such a huge catalog and yeah. such intense music. It's like, I just never know where to begin to sit and start listening, you know, so, and so, I just don't do it. You know what I mean? But I know I should. Uh, the stuff I know of Fish is great. Um, and uh, and the earlier Marillion I do like so. 
it's tough. I, I, it's one of those yeah. things I owe myself to get, get more into it. I know I do. So speaking, speaking as the old guy, um, I, I, I did, I did live this, um, yes. probably got into Marillion. Uh, they were on the radio, you know, they were on the TV and that kind of stuff, but I was probably in one of my really hardcore phase, Marillion phases when, when that came out. And I told, I mean, it's totally deserving of yeah. being on the list. I mean, and the thing that, that sort of came to mind, um, I suppose is a bit like your album, Ross, it's very, very eclectic mm. and it's not really like Marillion. I mean, you know, if, if you listen to what Marillion did on the, so they've made season's end, which was their first album without him. And you yeah. sort of listen to the two albums and go, you can tell this split had to happen because they were both going in different directions, you know, and yeah. fit, you know, fish, fish is sort of, um, I suppose tapped in for the first time to that kind of folky, you know, Scottish Celtic side, you know, that, that features in various places in it. Um, mm -hmm. and, and, and the other thing being that he obviously had to be an lyricist. He, he wasn't really a, a songwriter and he teamed up. I think it's Mickey Simmons is the keyboard player that, that he wrote yeah. most of that with. Um, Yep. There's a real if 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 you know the album well, there's actually a, a clutching at straws special edition that has the album that they attempted to make before they split up, and it kind of has the musical tracks of some of the songs that went on to the Marillion album with the lyrics from oh, some okay. of the Fish <laughs> album, and, and if you know them both, it's really weird hearing them put together. Oh, that's but, interesting. Yeah. But um, yeah, and I I mean the title track there. Yeah. Vigil in the Wilderness of Mirrors is is a is is kind of a real mission statement. Uh, just the way that album yeah. starts, it's you a know, stunning opener. Yeah. For someone embarking on a solo career, it's the perfect opening, and it's you know, again, it's got a, it's got it's got so much going on. The album cover art and everything that mm -hmm. you know was always a, a consistent theme with what they did. Um, I think it was I mean you talk the I think it's Chris Kimsey as well who produced it. Is it? I think um wow. who who would have done the Marillion albums beforehand but yeah no a, f a fantastic album and, <laughs> and i think it's one that's actually a bit I'm, i've watched some of his fish's broadcasts and i think there's something to do with this one being tied up with some rights it's about the only one that he doesn't own at the moment so we it's it, it, it's it's right. not really you talk about only coming across it i don't think like it's probably been properly in release for quite a long time as well so mm. there we go yeah engineered right. and produced by john kelly Oh, John Kelly. Okay, I'm yeah. totally wrong. So that's not your third pick as well, is it, Jeff? <laughs> um, no, well, I've got a longer list, so I can sub something else in. Um, so, um, right. Okay, I'm going to put in um, Roger Waters' Pros and Cons of Hitchhiking. Mm. Um, so this is one that I, I... It wasn't initially on my list, but um, I... I I think whenever we started talking about this, Roy, we were going, there can't be that many, can there? And then you sort of start I, to go I down and go through it. I thought I would struggle to come up with five. Oh honestly. my goodness. <laughs> yeah. So, and... so the pros and cons, um, history to it is Pink Floyd did animals. Um, Roger went off and wrote two things and presented them to the band. Uh, one of which was the wall and one of which was this. And they decided to go with the wall. Then they did the final cut. And then they split up and then Roger did this album. Um, and around about that time, the, the band, the Pink Floyd kind of 
re-emergence didn't happen to probably three or four years later but he put this album together which is I suppose if you think of all the sonic and audio things that go on in Pink Floyd albums um it happens it's a it's a very strange story encapsulating a, a dream which I think he had um with all sorts of very strange imagery imagery um and um you know who do you get for your first solo album well you get eric clapton you get michael Kamen, you get andy newmark on drums you get david sanborn to play saxophone it's really like the you know let, let me do water, my waters you can do yeah that. let me do my wish list of it you know who you know who, who's you know who's the biggest saxophone player in the world well david sanborn let's get him let's get clapton you know and as you know eric clapton's not somebody who who sort of willy-nilly appears on people's albums the guitar playing on it is is brilliant and it's actually very very unlike a lot of stuff that i mean i'm not a massive eric clapton fan but um his playing on it is just absolutely phenomenal um and it's not you know it's not really full of memorable songs um but as a concept piece it's 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 really it's really really good fun and it, it has that element of humor and uh, seriousness and lightness and um you know roger in his finest sort of screaming whispering um his voice that is i think vocally it's his very very best album mm. and it ends with this brilliant song called every stranger's eyes which is actually something that you could lift out of the album and it could be a you know it could be a one of those songs that you go if people knew that song it, it would be a standard you know so. It wasn't a big hit. I don't think it it did well in the states, if I remember. I mean, I was young at the time, but I I don't recall it making a splash like you thought. And then, of course, you had Floyd, you know, coming back and being really big with Momentary Lapse of Reason, and that should must have killed him at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, it's worth it's worth it's worth checking out. You know, when it's great, it's a forty five minute album. You know, so it's an old style, start to finish. Um, yeah. Nice. So yeah, that nice makes pick. my list. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, it's oh, one I had on my short list as well, actually. Oh, yeah. I had, oh, had oh. that ready to go. There you go. I was going to comment on the cover, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, just, just you know, uh, censor that one. <laughs> okay, I'm going to continue my trend of obscure records uh, that are remotely related to Prague, but not so much. Um, so one of the bands that we've talked about on the podcast many times and and is a, a favorite of mine and and uh and obviously if you've listened to uh portnoy talk he we always talk about jellyfish as being one of our yeah. favorite groups and certainly has always been one of mine and the guitarist from the band's first album jason faulkner after he left the group many many years later started a solo career and put on an album 90 is it 96 i think uh, called uh, Jason Faulkner Presents Author Unknown. And uh, 
Um, so that's what I'm going to go with on this one. I don't think it's an album many people know of. It's very, uh, I mean, it's not as much jellyfish as it is more sort of alternative sounding, way more guitar driven, uh, as you would expect. No harpsichords and, you know, light strings and things that jellyfish used to do. The production is way more stripped down. Uh, a lot of acoustic guitars. If you're familiar with the band The Greys and their one album, Rochambeau, which was also really cool, it's probably closer to that. Um, but just the songwriting is just so brilliant. And and Jason is just amazing. And he, and, and after that, he released a, a few more solo records and, um, and it does so every now and then. Uh, I think now he tours in Beck's band uh, as, oh, really? uh, you know, doing that. And he's just a brilliant musician. Um, you know, I, it's just one of those things. Like if you like jellyfish, it's one of those bands cause they only released two records. So it, especially in like the late nineties, they had, it's been, it had been a few years since they put out anything. And it was just like anything that remotely touched that world of jellyfish was like, Oh, give me that. I want to hear that, you know? And it was like, I had no idea that he had even put an album out. I found out about it like a year later by accident and was thrilled that it was awesome. So um, again, just, I wanted to mention that because I feel like it's probably an album that many people don't know. And if, and we've come to find that Jellyfish is kind of really popular in the prog world. It's one of those like, along with Supertramp and ELO and that kind of thing, everybody seems to love uh, Jellyfish. So I would highly recommend uh, the Jason Faulkner catalog, but starting with, with this one. You know that one, Jeff? At all? Have you ever heard his stuff? I think I think you may have shared that with me at one point. Um, Maybe I, I certainly have a few of his albums. I can't individually remember that one, but yeah, he his stuff is great. So, yeah, yeah, cool. Um, are you a, you familiar with Jellyfish Ross? Is that a band that's? Yeah, I'm familiar with Jellyfish, but um, only through uh, Mike going on about them a lot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I subsequently check them out and i have i have both the cds uh yeah in my in my collection i don't listen to them a lot but i'm i really loved what i heard it's um yeah yes yeah, it's great stuff you might uh yeah you might dig this guy as well um yeah. so another one for you to check out uh okay down to number two do you number two number two uh, i want to um obviously my new friend neil morse <laughs> Uh -huh. so hey, <laughs> I was gonna pick that, and I did it. I know it. you. Were. I Thank know you. Good for you. One of you was that. gonna do it. Um, <laughs> you see, for a long time, I was I was positive that Testimony was the debut, and I think a lot of people might still think that. I'm not sure because um, I'm not sure how well known this is really in the prog world because it's mm. essentially not a prog album, but. Um, I would say I would argue against that as well, though, because the, obviously the final four-part track, um, the whole other trip, is very prog, <laughs> and yeah. 
yeah ties in with Neil's career um, very fittingly. Uh, but as we all know, Neil's a fantastic, prolific songwriter in many styles, and I feel like uh, yeah, that's just every track on here is such a beautiful piece, um, lyrically very deep and personal. Um, if 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 you know, you guys probably have more facts on this record and how it came about than I do. I've never spoken to Neil about this record. Um, um well but Jeff I'm sure in- knows all the internet yeah. record. I mean yeah. well Nick DeVirgilio plays on it of course. Um, well, yeah, I was going to mention that. Yeah, that's another thing um with Nick on there that's a, a, a kind of ties into the the Spox world and um yeah, I love that album. Ma- amazing playing. It's my... just such a beautiful album. Yeah. Uh, every it, song it was on lovely. my list of uh of albums to choose from but just in the you know desire to be different than yeah. <laughs> what we usually pick. I was hoping maybe one of you guys would pick that album, but um, you know, I he fought. has two of those. He has two of those records. There's a, one that came out a couple years later called It's It's right. Not Too Late. Yeah. Um, I like the one you chose a little bit better because it has that little prog part, you know, yeah. at the end, which is really cool. But you know, the regular songwriter stuff on there is great because mm-hmm. I like when he has that sarcastic edge, you know? Um, uh, that that song was I forget what, Lost Cause you know it's I'm yeah. a loser and, I, and that kind of thing which is really funny uh, going nowhere fast where like this you know oh, this yeah. girl it's... keeps rejecting him um, <laughs> such I, I an love... earworm as well nowhere yeah fast, I, I just I think he, he has such a knack for writing cool yeah. different kind of lyrics um, uh, and if you you could imagine pulling any like just one of those songs and sticking them on an earlier Spock's Beard record and it mm-hmm. would been would have been just fine, you know, because yeah, they yeah. always had one song that, you know, Waste Away or something that could have mm-hmm. seemed sort of more acoustic-y. But um, yeah, fantastic record. I used to be a stranger I found that album, yeah, back in the days when we bought CDs and shops. And I can remember it was around about the time I just discovered Spock's Beard. And I went to the Spock's Beard section to see if there was anything else that I hadn't got. And I went, oh, somebody's put some random CD in. And then I realized, oh, is that the guy? And it was the classic, you know, where it had the file under Spock's Beard sticker on the uh, on the CD. <laughs> And, yeah. and and I bought it, and uh, yeah, I love I love that. And the fact mm. that at Morse Fest this year at the Inner Circle show, he did a bit of a feature on some of those songs, played a few of them live for the first time. And uh, the track "Landslide" uh, on that album is just, again, it's a bit like what I said earlier on. It's a song that you sort of go, if people knew that that song existed, it would be mm. a it would be a classic. It would be a yeah. standard, a very. Um, just beautiful piece of writing and well i mean i don't i think we're sort of preaching to the choir here by saying neil just kind of 
produces copious volumes of of yeah. this stuff and it, and it and it's all really good and and that album's a brilliant distillation of mm-hmm. of of that whole range of things so yeah love it yeah Completely. great great choice there um jeff you know okay two. okay you're you're forcing me into uh into the the deeper part of my list um uh, so gosh what am i gonna mention next um there's kind of a couple and i'm sort of holding back to see if anybody else mentions them and i'm not really doing this in five four three two one but I, so i'm going to throw out one that possibly is is a, is almost as secure as some of roy's albeit that it has a has a very strong prog connection so robert fripp's first proper solo album exposure um so i don't know if any of you if either of you know it but um you know king crimson breakup about 1974 Robert Fripp has lots of hair and little uh round John Lennon glasses and he kind of um he kind of takes a break from things he works with David Bowie in Berlin he works with Blondie and then he comes back with this solo album with him on the cover with a kind of new wave haircut a skinny tie and a sort of smart jacket um and I read one of the quotes of it he says um yeah, the, the album is an investigation of the pop song as a means of expression. It tracks three to four minutes with words of one syllable. It's not that at all, but it begins with this, with this, the most not Robert Fripp track that, that you could ever come across. Um, that's called You Burn Me Up, I'm a Cigarette. And uh, <laughs> it's like a punk track with virtually no chords, apart from this really crazy middle section that just goes back to this kind of, heavy strumming guitar it's sung by daryl hall um wow. so so the run of albums peter gabriel's second album fripp then produced an album called um sacred songs which is a daryl hall solo album which is nothing at all like hall and oats and then he and then he brought him into this and i think they had a, a sort of fight with daryl hall's record company who didn't want them associated with it because it's so it's so out there but a lot of what follows afterwards is sort of in, in a similar mold to um, what became King Crimson, the Discipline era stuff. So a lot of that um, kind of influenced the, the funkier side. Tony Levin's on the album. Um, um, but yeah, I, it, there's, a, and there's a version of Here Comes the Flood on it, which is better than the one on Peter Gabriel's first um, solo album. Uh, really, to me, it's the definitive version. Um, but a lot of a lot of sort of um, yeah things that point towards the more experimental sort of or the more King Crimson that he that he followed up with, but it's got you know Brian Eno on it, it's Phil Collins drums on a couple of tracks. Um, it's a very very eclectic album. It's got all sorts of little bits of sort of spoken in that you burn me up. Uh, I'm a cigarette. It's got a instead of a guitar solo, it's got like this voice that comes in and just speaks you know which is kind of that david byrne and brian and brian Eno sort of influence stuff and there's a i'm trying to remember to get the exact title one of the best um song titles that i've ever come across so i'm gonna have to look it up to get it exactly right and it's called yeah i may not have had enough of me but I've had enough of you. <laughs> I think really it's good. just an absolutely brilliant <laughs> song title. Uh, yeah, so Robert Fripp, Exposure, um, very eclectic album. Yeah. 
cool. Yeah, again, I'm not one I'm not familiar with, but that's cool. Nice. This is really we've never had a one a list put together <laughs> like this where none of us know the other one's picks at all. Uh, all right. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I'll keep going down that road. Um, well, you know, again, one of the bands that's made a return uh, recently is Tears for Fears, and I'm a big fan. Uh, love those guys. I think of, I never thought of them as prog, but I always liked them because they were different in what they did pop wise. And, and it was more elaborate and, uh, and looking back now, when I see them covered in like prog magazine and stuff, I go, Oh, okay. I, I starting to make sense. I never thought of it that way, but yeah, totally. Um, and again, it's one of those things you find out that prog fans like them too. I just never knew that was the case. But um, anyway, I'm a big fan of Roland Orzabal, who's, uh, you know, the main songwriter and singer. And and for a few years was Tears for Fears because Kurt Smith, the, the other guy, was out of the band. And in 2001, he released his only solo record called Tomcats Screaming Outside and uh, just an amazing record. And if you know of Tears for Fears from you know, mid nineties with elemental and rolling the Kings of Spain. This album is pretty much along those lines that he, I don't know why he didn't call it tears for fears. It's, it is basically the same thing. Um, maybe a little bit more electronica in it, but I don't think anybody would have said, Hey, you can't put this out as tears for fears. Um, and uh, again, another Nick DiVirgilio connection who plays drums on it. It seems like he plays drums just on, on about every record we all own. And, uh, um, but it's as him or Portnoy, him or Portnoy, they play on pretty much every album. Um, but it's such a cool album. I I love the songs on here, his production style and his use of weird keyboard sounds and, and little things that just sneak into songs, you know, put like a three note melody in there in the background. And it becomes like the only thing you remember is like that three notes repeating in the background of the second verse, you know? Um, I just think his his attention to those kind of details are so cool and, and what I always like about what he does. I remember this was peak Napster time with with dial-up download speed. So it was like okay. the only way I could get this album at the time, because you couldn't it wasn't out in the States yet, was like it took me like a week to download this record <laughs> one song at a time, you know, and it was amazing. People kids today have no idea of the of oh, the yeah. trials and tribulations we went through <laughs> to get songs steal your music yeah but uh uh the, the the crazy story about this record was that it came out uh first in in uh, europe and uk and then was due to be released on 9 11 in 2001 and uh did come out that day and obviously you know for obvious reasons no one ever heard of it again <laughs> like it just disappeared from existence and it is not even in print now i don't believe um so it's not it's not on spotify it's not anywhere maybe one of those things that maybe it's on youtube or Mm. ebay or something but um i think it's a fantastic record so i if you didn't know it existed you know maybe now you do but it's really really cool so uh that you know another one there i'm throwing in there Devil makes his own pornography. Oh, what a cross to bear. Freaking out completely. You locked yourself up. 
yeah you've you've shared that one with me as well so i i am had a bit of a tears for fears kick there a couple of months ago and really yeah enjoyed yeah. it but i agree with you i mean it it doesn't it, it's it's really good don't, don't know why he particularly felt to put that as a solo album but i guess that that happens you know i'm wondering maybe if it wasn't just a, a record company contract issue or something like that where he yeah. couldn't make you know didn't want to make another record under tears for fears or couldn't or you know who knows um yeah you know sometimes that kind of stuff comes into play it, it is um, the tough it is a tough thing with solo records is is getting that attention because the bat everyone know i mean we've seen it with his list so far everyone knows the bands very well but not necessarily have not necessarily heard yeah uh, yeah the, the particular solo record that we're yeah we're talking about it's, and it's, um, it's just the things, way things yeah. are unfortunately but yeah absolutely um uh which is why we have to let people know about your solo album shadow yeah. of my future <laughs> self which comes out november 19th uh all right ross you're uh, your last choice oh um so it depends do you want to go obvious or not um i think we'll go kind of obvious um i've been a porcupine tree fan for a very long time and stephen wilson's debut solo album seems like the obvious choice i'll be completely honest with you and say i had preferred his later music as a solo artist um it took me quite a long time to get into this actually um with, uh, with the exception of a few obvious tracks i mean uh harmony kareen is a is, was the sort of the go-to one the opening track mm. um i think he played that on a lot of shows um but giving this one um a lot more dedication and time i actually came uh came to really enjoy this record um I don't have a lot of facts on this behind uh, behind the scene, other than just uh, that I've played it a lot. <laughs> I've enjoyed it. Well, I think uh, it came out before the incident. Is that right? I believe it came out before the incident, yeah. so it wasn't yeah. like a departure. Yeah. Um, uh, the solo record, uh, from what I understand, um, it's it does feel like it falls in the net of the Porcupine Tree, or at least where uh, Stephen Wilson's head was at at the time. Um, particularly what, what the company well, I, was making, I, you know, but at the same time, it's a, a little bit more obscure and indie and um, yeah, diff less accessible. I think what was the one before? Um, was it Dead Wing that came before? No, Yeah, yeah, a little bit more uh, underground than, than that. One. I, I mean, I think, it, it, like you were saying, um, Jeff, about Fish and Marillion hearing the records and realizing that they needed to split i i sort of get that vibe with with this solo record as well because mm. it's it, it starts to get a little bit out there it's a hard listen for me i i'm with you i mean i started to like grace for drowning became a little bit easier to listen to and i like that and then and then raven is one of my favorite albums ever and he started to yeah. he started to write stuff that a little bit more accessible um insurgentes is is a weird album uh, you know except yeah. for really the it, first song it, it um, requires dedication and so i don't but, i couldn't see porcupine tree putting that record out uh, th those guys playing that record I, and i think he realized that i want to do what i want to do yeah and, that's fair yeah you know but as Have with all his records it's the sonically phenomenal and if you've got the 5.1 yeah. mix or whatever atmos mixes might be available i don't know but um but yeah, I've got the 5.1 mix here, and it's just as with all of his records that he puts out in 5.1, it's just a, such an experience, and that's that's what I take from this. But you know, it's an amazing thing with an artist like that, and I I think for some musicians, 
Peter Gabriel being an example or whatever, just Porcupine Tree was so big at the time when he decides, I don't want to do the same music that everyone likes. I want to do something no one's going to like and fuck it, you know? <laughs> and it's an amazing way to think about your own career and kudos, you know, if you can do that. I think that's been a theme of most of his his career, really. I mean, I, I totally, yeah, look, I, I, I'm with you, Ross. I, I love the 5.1s, and that's a really, really good one. Uh, all of all of his pretty much are in their in their own way. Have you seen the movie? There's a movie that goes with it. That, um, Don't believe I have, no. That, yeah, that he put out, and it's sort of him going around doing things like buying ipads or sorry ipods and you know, blowing blowing them up because he because he hates them so much and sort of <laughs> taking them to shooting range and stuff like that it's very strange uh film but yeah let's check that out yeah no, look, look that one up it's strange yeah. but if you like the music the music's all the way through it what i also and, love and it does and it does touch upon like some of the stuff he talks about you know because like there's like the base communion the dr the droney type stuff that I don't know if you ever heard his solo stuff that's that, and he sort of explains how right. he's kind of bringing those influences that weren't part of the Porcupine Tree world into into that album. Um, it's it's pretty good. I like how he just the visuals that accompany the records. I mean, even the album cover on it, it's so like intense when you see that cover, you know, and, and it, it continues yeah. on that whole kind of visual element that Porcupine Tree always had, which is always so cool. And um, yeah, that's, to, you know, he really plays into that aspect of his records, which is really cool. Um, all right. Um, so wait, Jeff, your last pick. Okay. Well, I think, no, I think that, I'm actually, I'm actually glad of that choice because it leaves me with an album that probably I would say is almost certain. I mean, I didn't really do this in order, but this is almost certainly a number one solo album, I think. Um, the first Peter Gabriel album. Um, and it's kind of a, a bit of a, a bit of a goes without saying album for me. Um, I think I wrote an article maybe once for the website about it, which has all sorts of uh, uh, minutia in it. But again, you know it, it's the it's the post split album it's the let's try a whole lot of different things from barbershop to blues to the you know moribund the burgermeister the strange voices mm -hmm. to again a bit like fish um you know with vigil salisbury hill being the sort of the mission statement song um and you know all sorts of wonderful things come to mind, like how the rhythm track in that is the drummer hitting a telephone directory with a drumstick. Um, but you know, just a brilliant, a brilliant song, a brilliantly diverse album. I mean, incredible production from Bob Ezrin, um, and you know, orchestras 
everything but the kitchen sink and yet you know it 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 really stands up as a as a as a as a journey and um certainly you know put him on a a very clear footing and a bit like what i said about um uh fish and marillion not an album that you would listen to and go oh yeah you know genesis would have done that because they just they just wouldn't have um so yeah artistically great and a brilliant album Amazing, yeah. I, I was hoping you'd pick that one too, because uh, it was on my short list. The funny thing about that record, I think, is that the one song, you know, if you're if you're splitting up from Genesis and you're going out on your own, then the very first song on that album is the only song that could have been in Genesis, right? It sort of is, sounds like a leftover from Lamb a little bit, the moribund song. Sorry, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but um. You've the rest read of the my album. Art- you've read my article, haven't you? <laughs> the 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 rest of the well a while ago. The uh, the rest of the album though, no two songs are the same at all. Every song is a completely different style, and I I like the version of "Here Comes the Flood" on it. I like the big orchestration and and the whole thing with it. I mm-hmm. I think it's amazing, um, but just yeah, it's just a brilliant, brilliant, uh, amazing debut record. Salisbury Hill being obviously such a tune. <laughs> yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's one of one of my favorite songs. <laughs> what a cool! Yeah. I mean, yeah. such a catchy song with yeah. such a a lyric about that. That's like everything. You know what I mean? Just sick describing that torture that he didn't know what to do and all that. But it's such a happy song. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's amazing. Yeah. It's really cool. Totally. Um. All right. So. We, you guys brilliantly helped me out with a few choices that I didn't have to pick. So I'm going to go with um, what I had written down, which was uh, another one-off, well, sort of a one-off solo album from one of my all-time favorite bands, ELO. And I'm going to go with Jeff Lynn's Armchair Theater um, from 90. So again, sort of pseudo prog adjacent, but not really. And um, amazing just an amazing album. Um, I remember listening to it when it even came out really young and just being obsessed with this record and uh, every little thing is just so cool and lift me up is amazing. And um, uh, now you're gone and the, the whole album and it's really different. It's not very ELO except the harmonies and sort of the production is very ELO, but there's a lot of different, kind of styles on it there's some stripped back stuff there's you know some of that kind of um uh elvisy kind of you know style that he likes to throw in there that he does in a cool way um but i mean i don't god i don't even know if it's also in print anymore either it's one of those albums that sort of 
came out a, a hundred years ago and sort of disappeared <laughs> from existence. But it's amazing. It's such a great solo record. And then he never did another one. He did one solo album recently, which was sort of uh, a kind of a 50 covers, covers yeah. thing. Right. Um, but never did another one of these again and just went headfirst into production in the 90s and that's you know worked with tom petty and and did the traveling wilburys and got did the beatles anthology thing and just became like this insanely ridiculously famous producer um but that, that did come after that did come after a lot of his production i think that came probably after the Wilburys, but I think it was one of those albums when it came out where you think he could have gone the sort of superstar, you know, Jeff Lynn and his famous friends album. Right, but yeah. um, he kind of avoided that and just constant. I mean, the songs on it are fantastic and it's production wise. It's, it's a lot less over the top than maybe some of the, you know, you know some of the stuff very, very much him, but a really, really good collection of songs, a really good album. Let's talk about it, can't seem to do without it, don't want to be one of the broken hearted, so lift me up, finish what you started, take me on for a ride, lift me up from the broken hearted, rivers deep and Yeah, I love I love that record a lot. And so, yeah, I'm really happy with the albums we covered here. This is great. I mean, <laughs> certainly not going with Phil Collins or Peter Gabriel or Neil Moore. Those are struggles to leave off my list, but I'm like, yeah. they're going to cover those. I'm just well, I've got my, my honorable mentions. Um, Fish Out of Water, Chris Squire. Um, again, I only wanted to include one Yes album. Um, Voyage of the Acolyte, Steve Hackett. That's an, I had that one I on really my list like. as well, yeah. Um, and the first David Gilmore album, I, 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 yeah. I dropped it in favor of the, the Roger album. Um, but it, you know, it's a solid album. It's not the most exciting album, but if you like David Gilmore, it's, it's a good 45 minutes of him. Um, uh, and, and it would be too prog adjacent to call out Plastic Ono Band, McCartney and All Things Must Pass albeit the three of them are well, three, you know, three absolutely amazing albums. The reason why I didn't go with any of those is because they're not my favorite album by any of them. So I, mm. I really wanted to, you know, I like a lot of other McCartney albums better than the debut, as amazing as it is. So, you know, I really didn't want to go that way. But certainly I had Sting on my list. Um, uh, you know what's one I mm. thought of including, but it's completely not. I don't know if it would have fit at all, but the debut Ozzy solo record, which is. Well, you went winger, so. <laughs> Almost. Ozzy's not, Ozzy's not a strip. But the, a I mean, that's an amazing. Yeah, but it's a classic album. Classic yeah, sure. album, you know. Um, what was your long list, Ross? Well, I had uh, John Anderson's well, as a backup. Uh, yeah. I absolutely love that record. Yeah. Tom York from Radiohead. His day. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Experimental right. solo album. And then two completely not prog albums, but probably more uh, relevant to my solo album were the albums by um, Joe Perry from Aerosmith. Wow. I don't know and that Steve, one. Yeah. And Steve Perry from Journey. Steve Perry, yeah, wow. of course. He's also one of my favorite vocalists. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Honorable mentions. What, what is that Joe Perry one like? I've seen the cover before because it's like a fa- sort of a famous cover, but I don't I don't yeah. know the album at all. Um, he's he panders a lot to his love of the British blues explosion and that kind of era. So, yeah, it, it does feel like a very British blues album, um, which is really interesting actually, um, and not not very Aerosmith at all. Um, so I, I love it. Yeah, it's really cool. And but obviously the let the music do the talking did actually become an Aerosmith song. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, yeah, in the yeah. end. Yeah. <laughs> very cool. Well, okay. Well, I, I think these lists uh, were very cool. It was a nice sort of different uh, kind of uh, look at some music here. I, I like what we talked about on this one. Very cool stuff. Yeah. yeah I've, I've got a lot of homework now. <laughs> yeah. No, we. I'm serious. We need to set up a file sharing <laughs> so we can check some of these out. Um, and uh, well, again, uh, guys, uh, well, we should also say Haken has a tour coming um, next year, right? So you'll That's true. You'll... Yeah, we're in we're in Europe in February. So um, yeah, if you're European or you can travel there, do come and see us. That'll be great. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. yeah, we're planning on doing Vector and Virus in full at the London the finale show. Oh wow! Uh, so that should be quite special. Cool, yeah. amazing. That's gonna be awesome. And uh, yeah, so again, Soul Album comes out on November nineteenth. Uh, RJSolo.com. Uh, check it out. Pick it up. And um, yeah, that's it. All right, we'll see you everybody soon. Uh, again, again, uh, follow Prague Report on Facebook, Twitter, subscribe to YouTube here, follow us on uh, ProgReport.com and all that. And we'll see you again very soon. Peace.